Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for friends of the Hebrew Bible everywhere. I'm Rosie Cannibal, Louisville Fellow at Columbia Theological Seminary in Hebrew Bible. And I'm Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Capital University. Friends, we have got an Advent treat for you today. Our co-hosts, Tim McNinch and Paul Asa, are also with us for a series of four special live recordings from Trinity Lutheran Seminary's Trinity Days Celebration. And we are thrilled to have a live studio audience. So y'all want to wave and say hi again? They're so great. So this is the second Sunday of Advent, December 10th, and our first reading is taken from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. So, Rosie, where are you going to take us with this one? Ooh, all kinds of places, right? So first, for many of our listeners, the words of Isaiah 40 will sound familiar from that Christmas season favorite, Handel's Messiah. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but I cannot read the opening words of this uh, of Isaiah 40, comfort, oh, comfort my people, without hearing a male tenor and the music swelling from the opening aria, right? Come for G, come for G, my yeah. people, right? Okay. Yeah, well, this is what the singing in high school choir will twist you into doing on a podcast. <laughs> but yes, so Handel offers a wonderful rendering of the first five verses of Isaiah 40 in the poetry of the King James Version translation, but anyone preparing for an Advent sermon from this text, I mean, you've got to take a listen again to that to that aria, especially. Yeah, it's gorgeous. We've got we've got a hymn in our ELW, uh, and it just goes, "Comfort, comfort, now my people," mm. and that's what I like. That's just aww. <laughs> so music recommendations to accompany your sermon prep, folks. First reading podcast as you covered. There you go, and definitely right. Just as you just sang another hymn uh, refrain, Isaiah forty just kind of invites us to praise and worship. It's practically already set to music. Mm. Uh, it's poetry. It's love. It's full of inspiring imagery. And for your music ministers, it's a gift because there's a message of hope in its context. Although, frankly, probably for the prophet, these words sounded at best unbelievable and at worst, a cruel joke to second Isaiah's audiences in Babylon. Yeah. Okay. So break that down for us. Like what is second Isaiah? Why are people in Babylon and why would this have been a cruel joke? Right. So these opening lines of Isaiah 40, we're hearing the words of second Isaiah, right? And his ministry took place among Israel's exiles during the final years of their Babylonian captivity. So we're talking about 540 BC, the sixth century. This is second Isaiah's actual, it's his call story that's here in this passage. And he has a mission to preach a message of hope among exiles who had endured at this point almost 50 years of living in a land that is not their own. And here in these opening words, we're listening to the voice of God. And second Isaiah is kind of overhearing God addressing a heavenly host. And it is God that is urging this host to comfort, to console, to speak gently, tenderly, softly to these people who have suffered displacement, deportation defeat, separation Mm. from home, their ancestors, the lands that they'd known. These exiles, second Isaiah is to preach, will soon find relief. Mm. These verbs for comfort and for speak in these opening lines, they're plural in the Hebrew. So Nachama and Dabru, we have this cosmic view of God in the imperative, commanding the divine counsel, 
to announce to Jerusalem, to the exiles now, that their suffering is about to end. Mm. Verse 3 offers just one responsive voice from the choir, if you will, of the divine council. And that voice is saying, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The image here of the people marching into the wilderness again recalls our memories of the Exodus journey earlier. So here, though, instead of a difficult exodus marked by hunger and thirst and death, the exiled are to imagine a smooth and level path where travel is easy, the valleys are lifted up, the mountains that would have been such a hardship to go up into are now going low, mm -hmm. the rough places are plain, nowhere mm -hmm. to stumble. This vista, this second exodus, will be marked by life, the glory of the Lord revealed, and everyone together seeing it, receiving it with wonder and praise. Mm. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's a gorgeous image that you're painting, but you you mentioned the divine council. So, so this is God speaking to angelic beings, right? This is like a cosmic audience and not yet addressing humans. So, so where's the prophet? Where's the like call story aspect? Yeah, I promised you like a commissioning, right? A call story. So right. It's all, it's here finally in verse six mm. and a voice says the, again, the divine council cry out. And I said, I, and I said, what shall I cry? So notice the shift now to a first person. This is the voice of second Isaiah in response. Mm. Second Isaiah has overheard a discourse among God and the divine council, but he's mystified. What mm. am I supposed to say to these people? And he says, they're like grass, grass that is withered away, flowers that have faded under the intensity of your breath, God, under these years of exile and punishment. And verse eight acknowledges second Isaiah's point, yeah. but it asks him to reorient his perspective. So yeah. the voice responds, yes, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And so now go to the high mountain and be a messenger of good news to Zion, to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice. Don't be afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here is your defender and your shepherd, a comforter who will now nurture the scattered flock of Israel. Mm -hmm. And our reading, it ends here in verse 11, but the poem goes on in extraordinary majestic ways. So yeah. it continues to imagine a dialogue between a disbelieving and disheartened people God and God's prophet. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 40 is riddled with familiar gems, right? Uh, musical gems. So from verse 21, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it been, not been told to you from the beginning? This is your God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And fans of praise music will also recognize the closing of Isaiah 40. Even yeah. youths will faint and be weary, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall <laughs> run and not grow weary. Yeah, they shall walk and not faint. Right. Oh. So, I mean, that's that's Isaiah 40, just like yeah. praise from beginning to end. I mean, basically just sing this text and then sit down, right? Like that could be your sermon. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Please. Yes. I mean, yes. Let's invite them. There, there's just yeah. so much music here to celebrate. Yeah. Well, and I, I, one theory that I'd heard too is that that point in verse nine, ascend a lofty mountain, O herald of joy to Zion, can also be translated, ascend a lofty mountain, O herald of joy, Zion. So it's actually could be seen um, as an address double. to the city itself to rise up, the city that, you know, was destroyed, was decimated, was torn down to rise up and announce good news. Mm. And I just love that agentive shift there as well. That's wonderful. Yeah. 
So, okay. So where, where would you go to preach this? We can't just sing it. Or, I mean, y- y'all can, if you want, but you know, where would you go to <laughs> preach it? <laughs> well, the revised common lectionary gives an Advent gift, shall I say, to preachers by pairing Isaiah 40 with its echo in the first chapter of the gospel of Mark verses mm. one through eight. So the beginning of Mark's account, if you remember, draws from Isaiah 40. It paints yeah. an opening picture of John the Baptist now in the in the role of the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Mm. But close readers will see that this is not identical to what we've just read in Isaiah 40, but it is reinterpreting and drawing from it in a creative way. So the RCL, in my view, and maybe yours too, is practically begging preachers to take up the first reading in Isaiah and to discover anew how Mark creatively reinterprets second Isaiah's message of hope in this new New Testament context. Here, it's an early group of Jewish Christians, um, probably reeling from Nero's persecutions and the disastrous Jewish-Roman wars of 66 to 74 CE, which resulted in now the destruction of the second temple in Jerusalem. Mm. So in the midst of their loss, Mark reaches backwards from first century AD Jerusalem to second Isaiah in the sixth century BCE. And this time it's to offer again the message of hope and salvation, that there is a story of survival and renewal for them in what Mm. he's about to, about to give in Mark's gospel account. Mm. As pastors prepare to preach, I can't help but ask about these stories of life that are among us today in our congregations, the ones that we reach backwards for, but which continue to remind us of our own resilience and reveal new insights and restore our hope. Mm -hmm. Where are preachers being called to see hope, to prepare a way, to not be afraid, to give and to receive comfort? So in this way, I think the passage really invites a sermon in which we all understand ourselves to be heralds of good tidings who are called to be bearers of good news. But I've got a note of caution, maybe a pitfall here too. Um, Let's not forget that the context of both Mark and second Isaiah are deep loss. These messages are offered out of profound darkness And that perhaps is precisely where hope meets us. Mm. Hope is not a denial of loss. Uh, We are, we are as grass, right? That is withered flowers that have faded, but as ones who also rise up with wings like eagles, who prepare a way out of true repentance and grateful humility with Isaiah, with John the Baptist, with Jesus. And Christmas, let's just remember, is not an easy season for everyone in our congregations. For some of us, this Christmas particularly uh, is a reminder of loss, of pain, of time that has passed and, you know, things that we might have regretted. Mm. So let's just remember each other and be gentle with our flocks. Oh, wow. I know, right? Like, yeah, you, you couldn't see it. But when you said hope is not a denial of loss, everybody went like this and then started writing down. So I have a feeling that line's going to come up with some second. Good. I mean, it's just gorgeous, Rosie. I love what you did there of, of like taking, taking what that Markan community did to reach back into their divine or, you know, holy resources and say, how can we make sense of this loss and this, this terrible time we're going through and, and inviting preachers to say, how have your, how has your community done that? How have they reached back? And what are the stories of hope and resilience that could that could lift them up as well. I, um, yeah, I, I think the only thing I would else would offer is that the final verse is just one of my, as a mom, mm. 
one of my absolute favorites. You know, he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in his bosom and gently he leads the mother sheep. I mean, like I tear up every time I hear that because I'm like, leave me Jesus. Like just as a <laughs> yes. mom, you know, those are those moments. And I'm sure as dads too, as parents, um, it's just, you could take this text so many different ways and you did. So well done. That was gorgeous. My pleasure. <laughs> Well, I think that's enough fodder for 15 sermons. So let's wrap that up here, friends. Uh, Thank you to our live audience and to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. Folks, we hope this has been a helpful conversation for you. Remember, you can find us at firstreadingpodcast.com. Let us know what's helpful. Drop us an email or a Facebook message, firstreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. First Reading is produced by me, Rosie, Tim, and Paul. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Rosie Candlethal. Thanks for listening and a happy advent of preaching for you. Yeah.